The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome Welcome, to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be be brave, and be fearless, let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome Welcome, welcome. to the Data Gurus Podcast. I'm joined today with Abad Weiser, who is a marketing strategy director at a large financial institution. Welcome, Abba. Hi, Seema. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. I know um, you spoke earlier today about a topic that you feel very passionate about. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I spoke about uh, being able to assign business growth to marketing investment by doing rigorous attribution. Tell us a little bit about your approach in doing that. I know that wasn't so straightforward as you approached it. It was a lot of granular. Basically, a lot of the industry ends up getting sort of third-party analytics that often shows data at a very high or aggregated level. And because in this particular instance that I'm speaking about, we we did a lot of it in-house in the beginning and at least designed the entire thing in-house. We were tracking at a very granular level to, for instance, in a campaign, we, we would be looking not just as the, at the offer and the segment, but at the geography and going down into the details. So if there was an offer A and a B or there was a creative test, we looked at it all the way down. And then we built that journey. So we didn't want to just look at what offer was converting or how conversion happened or acquisition happened, but we wanted to see that entire consumer journey after they became customers as well. So we were able to overlay a variety of categories and touch points with the customers to get to qualitative metrics. And that's what I spoke about today at the Attribution Accelerator. It's interesting though, you you made an interesting point, I think earlier in that it's not just the journey from acquiring the customer, but it's the entire life cycle and you actually close the loop to gain better insight. Yeah, because I think a lot of questions come up, you know, you could go out with a campaign and you can do something Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, what the business needs both in the short term and and in the medium term. But in the long term, you're really looking for customers that sort of fit your brand, that you're able to uh, service in the way that they need. And you're really looking at a far longer term relationship Mm -hmm. as a financial institution with your customers. And so these quality metrics are really critical to have in place. A lot of what's happening in the front end on the marketing uh, in the front end of the marketing cycle are very quantitative. You know, this is how much you spent, this is how much you acquired, this is this is how you optimized. But then later on, as you go along, uh, you, you're you have to ask yourself other questions: Am I retaining customers in the right way? Do I have all of the touch points with them? Are the volumes of transactions with them the way they they should be? Is the cross sell the right cross sell? Is there a lot of movement with within propositions? If there is, what is that telling me? If they've gone from segment to segment? Did I target them correctly in the first place? And I think it's what is remarkable is when you start doing this kind of deep layered work through time and you look at them, not just the first month or the third month or the ninth month that they were acquired, but all the way down, you notice that a lot of the consumer behaviors might be linked to the things that got them through the gate in the first place, whether it's, it could be anything, it could be seasonal, it could be targeting, it could be the segment that they were in, the geography they were in, or even the the nature of the offer construct Mm -hmm. that 
brought them in will play out later on. And things like engagement, which is which is very quality driven, you know, digital engagement, how many touch points do they have in terms of the breadth and the depth of the relationship. So we layered all of that so that we could fully complete that cycle. And some industries like CPG just can't even do it. Right. But there are other industries that have the data on their customers and, and can do it. But I don't know how many times that loop is closed with the marketing stakeholders in the room and a, and a true closing of the loop because it's marketing does the, that does the front end. And then this end of that loop will just be taken care of by an engagement team somewhere else that doesn't have anything to do with the acquisition team, even on the business side. So then you've got, you know, people working in silos in four or five different silos. And here, sort of as a collaborative effort in this particular project, everybody was involved from start to finish and could see where it went. That's really powerful. It is. It is. Incredibly powerful. Because it tells you that you can influence customer behavior. If you're listening to the signals at the very front end of that equation, when you're getting your conversion, when you're getting and you analyze that, it might even be able to inform you as to what's happening at the end of the cycle. Mm -hmm. So it really is a far deeper understanding of your customer than you could otherwise have. And and I'm sure you guys already thought about this, but you could look at what your ideal customer is. Yes, absolutely. And in fact, so one of the things that I think we were able to graduate to once we had started putting all of these measurement metrics in place, we created certain dashboards that would give us information in a timely manner. And because a lot of the data sits in-house and our teams had to extract that data, what having these dashboards did was it freed up our analytics team to actually go out and say, what does my best customer look like? If I had to create a lookalike model, what would that be? And eventually in sort of phase 2.0 to be able to fuse that with the quality metrics and see which are the pools and cohort groups or vintages downstream that most resemble those and see, you know, what can you do? Exactly. I mean, it's a long process and I won't uh, gloss over uh, how difficult it can be, especially in any large institution where there's a lot of data, there's a lot of regulation around the data. There are a lot of privacy laws and all manner of other things, legacy systems, things that sort of make it difficult to put this entire thing together. And our trick was to start really small, to start with a single offer in a single segment in a single channel before we went. But it was very easy to rapidly scale up once we got, you have to get the tracking right. Because if you got a a lot of garbage in, garbage out, you want to make sure you are attributing correctly. And then you scale up and then you scale up and you scale up. And, And you also become very good at eyeballing the results and the outcomes and seeing, okay, well, in this particular thing, and I'm making this up now, maybe search or whatever, one area, well, this just doesn't pass my sniff test anymore because it's not fitting with any of the benchmarks I've seen or anything else I've seen. So you know that something's off over there. So it's interesting. It, 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 It gets easy to accelerate as you move forward. But I think you have to start slow and modest and just make sure it's correct at each stage. I don't mean to over exaggerate, but it's a bit visionary, right? Because there's these departments that are measured on different metrics. And the organization is basically putting time and resource saying, let's take the long game. Let's take the long view here to see how we can interconnect these two organizations and what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, and I I think what it it takes is for everyone at the end of the day to be able to see behind, you know, beyond their particular situation and say, well, this is really the long-term growth plan. And even 
or even this is the annual plan and we cannot get there unless we collaborate across all of this in order to do it. And I think there are going to be differences of opinion. There's going to be different lenses that different groups have. For instance, I can, in a financial institution that has a branch network, for example, a branch manager is going to have a very different goal than the area manager whose goal is going to be completely different than that of the overall business department that's just looking across the board. And they just want to get that growth anywhere. It doesn't matter. Whereas for whereas for an area manager, it's critical that it comes out of his or her area. So I think you you do need to have some kind of momentum that's pushing you in that direction, whatever it be, but in order to get it done. But I think you also need people within each department, stakeholders stakeholders within each department who can see that greater vision, because otherwise it gets very difficult. At least the majority of them see that vision, because then there's robust debate. There's like, I want to do it this way. Let's do it that way. And then we say, we can do it any which way, but let's, unless we have this data. And in fact, we were tracking to things that we didn't necessarily know were important. Sometimes let's not presume that we know everything that's going to be important. So there might be things in a dashboard that over time we're like, we don't really need this or look at it, but it's better to have known it in the beginning and followed it because it won't be until you get to a certain point that you can step back and see the pattern emerge and say, okay, this isn't really important, or this is so tightly correlated to this. One of these is enough. One is a proxy for the other piece of data. So, and and you get better at that as you get familiar with it. How many data points did you have on the dashboard? I can't even imagine. Right. So, you know, it's it's interesting that you you should ask. We had multiple dashboards yeah. and we had dashboards on the front end and then we had multi-channel dashboards and then we had sort of the qualitative dashboard. So depending on which one where, we tried to do the front end attribution dashboards by campaign if possible. But because we are on an always on model, that's also become much bigger. And in fact, it becomes, you know, you suddenly looking at rows of data that are going through the whole year and then you've got to sort of decide how you want to chunk it down because it just gets overwhelming but even something qualitative I think we had you know even in the simplest example probably 20 million data points that had to eventually be crunched wow. right because we have you you then multiply that by the amount of acquisition that you're yeah. getting and you're looking qualitatively across the board but if it's laid out in a matrix it might you know something might be a 20 by 40 matrix that's still a lot to crunch in your head because unless you spend a considerable amount of time looking through it, it's going to be hard to get an insight. And I think this is where a certain kind of decentralization is really useful because everybody had a different lens um, at at which they were coming at this from. So somebody might have a CPA lens and somebody else might have a a maximizing lens. Each person was able to access, each group was able to access this dashboard or these multiple dashboards once they were created to then get the insights that were important to them. That's fantastic. So if you have an organization where there's a lot of open dialogue where I'm lucky to be, then I think this can really work. Right. And how long did it take? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it, it took us, it took us three years. And I mean, it's a work in progress, so I shouldn't say that, but the initial deployments and putting initial things in place was, it was very long and tedious because it required a lot of nitty gritty work, even, you know, phone calls across nine or 11 time zones, discussing data points. There are four data points that are, or data fields that are called very similar names. Which one are we extracting? Do you know why we're extracting this? Are we looking, what, what sort of time? cycle do we want to look at? Those kinds of things had to really be worked out in detail uh, by multiple stakeholders, one, you know, from all of the groups that needed to be at the table. But once it was done and once we were functioning, we could accelerate very quickly. Fantastic. And and was this project uh, kind of, did it have an executive sponsor like the CMO or? No, I think the business growth was the sponsor. I mean, right. we certainly had leaders, especially in marketing, who were willing to really take this, this. Uh, champion it. But at the end of the day, even it really needs a lot of buy-in mm-hmm. and the different people executing it. I was executing on some of the or 
well, I was the marketing planning and effectiveness and the function management person. So from a CPA perspective, budgetary allocation yeah. and overall analytical perspective, this was my sort of d- day in, day out for three years. And I think it would have been difficult if I didn't completely believe in it. Yeah. Right. And I think that's true for a lot of the people. And there were other people we won along the way. And that certainly helped because once you start getting your initial results and you can talk about it and you can talk about it, then more people sort of get interested and say, okay, this might be working. Let's take a look at it. Yeah, you gain credibility. And then they bring fresh ideas. Right. And they because they haven't been part of the process and, and, and you have, so then they might come up with some way of looking at it that you haven't thought of. I also think that, you you know, a group of people dedicated to it also is really important because I know a lot of times there's people have multiple initiatives on their plates. and Oh, we, ha- we did have oh, a, did tons that? of initiatives on our plates. <laughs> and not everything gets equal right. attention. Yeah. But one thing that was great about this was that I knew if we could put this in place, mm-hmm. then we can lift and shift it quickly to other areas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I wasn't also creating a dashboard for something else right. and working with the analytics team and the data team to be doing that, I knew that once this was really done, yeah. that could happen quickly. So we knew that a lot of this could be moved around and a lot of the learnings deployed and the methodology deployed. Got it. Did you use any specific tools? that? Were- no. So, I mean, this is the interesting thing. Yeah. There was no off, uh, off-the-shelf third-party software that we got into. Right. You know, there's the data sits in-house. Some of it is in legacy mm-hmm. systems. It, a lot of it is, is conjoined with customer data, which is extremely private and cannot be viewed by even marketing. And so adhering to all of those things, we really had to know how to keep it in-house and build it. And that that took time, but I think we intimately understood the people on our data team know that data. Mm -hmm. So they were probably the best experts to be able to do it. Great. And I know data science is a big buzzword. Is that, was any data scientists involved? They were data scientists involved, but I think that, you know, when when there are multiple people from other groups coming into it, you need a fair number of stakeholders stakeholders, even sitting in other parts of the business or marketing that are very analytical. Because otherwise, if only the analytics team is analytical or only the data and IM team is analytical, then I think they have an uphill battle. Got it. For everybody to be able to Mm -hmm. talk the same language, you need a a, a sort of group of like-minded people, even if everybody's technical skills are not the same. It's funny. uh, Every time we talk about data, everybody keeps talking about how much data there is. And it always comes down to mindset, organization structure, the stuff that enables the data to be unleashed and to really draw some interesting insights. Yeah. And you know, the the other thing is that I think there's the insight piece and then there's the decision making piece. And they're two different things and they're two big hurdles. Mm -hmm. You could have a lot of data without getting the insight. And so I think to have people possibly outside of the data area who are pushing for insights because they want to be able to apply it is is a really good good. thing. You need them in order to actually mine that insight from the data. And then in order to actually be able to decision on that data Mm -hmm. and change things as a result of it is a whole other journey. And you need to either be able to show that data and the insight and insist on your having your point of view or convert other people to your point of view and have the uh, political wherewithal across across the organization to make it happen. And some of the big decisions decisions that we did take as a result of this were taken because we had that. Got it. Right. And yeah. and others that may have fallen by the wayside because for that particular insight or that idea, uh, maybe there wasn't enough momentum. Interesting. So you've been in marketing for many years. Yeah. Do you have any kind of truths that you live by as it relates to marketing? You know, I'm an idealist and I think that 
authenticity is important. You know, I worked at a fintech setting up all of their marketing and communications, and that was a big data company, you know, doing algorithmic research. It was a startup. I'm now at a big institution, but I think the thing that's common through it is that I need to be able to believe. And and there's got to be, I think the organization needs to have a certain level of authenticity. And then whatever it is that it is that you want to market, also the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Right. So it, it has to be able to deliver that. Mm-hmm. So it has to be authentic and the product or service has to deliver on its value proposition. Right. And yeah. we should be speaking about those things that can deliver. Right. Interesting. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And very insightful. I love this concept of looking at the entire journey and circling back to the beginning in terms of acquiring customers. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Data Gurus Podcast. This episode has ended, but your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.dataguruspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.dataguruspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave. And be fearless.